chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, as we continue our way in our study here through the book of Luke. It was kind of funny when I was, after I prayed and we were starting worship, I was going down and hit my head on the TV. But I'm still okay. <laughs> I know Daniel was laughing at me. It's, it's okay. <laughs> you can laugh anytime. <laughs> Well, I hope you're enjoying our study here through the book of Luke. Um, I hope you're growing more hungry for the Word of God as we learn. And uh, as uh, Zach already prayed, I'm just going to get right into our study. And I kind of want to begin with, um, there's this old story about this pig and a chicken walking down the road. And they came upon a church and displayed on the sign in front of the church was a title for Sunday's sermon. And the title was, What Can We Do to Help Those in Need? Well, the chicken immediately turned to the pig and excitedly said, I know what we can do. Let's feed them with a breakfast of ham and eggs. The pig replied, well, there's only one thing wrong with feeding ham and eggs for breakfast to the needy. What's that? asked the chicken. For you, it requires a contribution, said the pig. But for me, it requires total commitment. (laughs) Well, the pig is right. Commitment isn't just some contribution we make. True commitment is really a total commitment that we give our lives to the Lord. So as we return here to Luke chapter 9 in our study, three people come up to Jesus and they want to follow Jesus. One, actually, Jesus calls them to follow him. And they really, what we're going to see, they really come with their own definition of what commitment is. And Jesus, actually knowing their heart, challenges them in what it is that is keeping them from making that commitment. So Jesus reveals barriers to a total commitment. That's the title of our message tonight. Barriers to a total commitment. And our outline is this. Uh, It is material wants, financial wants, and wavering wants. And those are the barriers we're going to cover. And tonight we're going to be covering Luke chapter 9 from verse 57 through 62. So we're going to finish up this chapter finally. And again, we're going to be covering material wants, financial wants, and wavering wants. So let's begin number one in our outline. I'll be giving those uh, points to you again as we go. But number one is material wants. And this is the first barrier to total commitment we're going to see. Now we're going to be covering verse 57 and verse 58 for those of you who are taking notes. But first of all, let's take a look at verse 57, Luke chapter 9. It says, As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And we'll stop right there. Here we see Jesus and the disciples. They were traveling down the road. Uh, We know, remember from last week, that they're on their way to Jerusalem. They're on their way where Jesus will spend his last day there, his last night there before he dies upon the cross. And remember, they were going to go through Samaria last time we saw this, but the Samaritans said, no, we don't want you to come through because Jesus was a Jew. And remember, uh, James and John wanted to call fire down upon the Samaritans and kill him. And Jesus like, hey, you, you don't know what you're talking about. Rebuke them. And if you missed that, you can catch uh, the message on our podcast or YouTube channel. But now perhaps they're going around Samaria, heading toward Jerusalem, and so they're going down the road. Now, if, if some of you remember your Bible, in Matthew chapter 8, in a parallel passage, uh, the, the same kind of dialogue comes up in Matthew 8. And 
at that place, they're about to cross the Sea of Galilee, get into some boats. So we're not really sure exactly the timing of this. Perhaps maybe it's more closer to uh, what Matthew is talking about. But I want to bring this up as maybe there's some thought about this. And uh, the thing is, with the book of Luke, Luke doesn't write always chronologically. He writes thematically, like themes and ideas and lessons and points. And so it could be Luke is focusing on the commitment it really takes to follow Jesus. Remember, that's been a lot of the talk in this whole chapter. Jesus is heading towards suffering on the cross, and he's telling disciples, hey, this is what's coming up. Remember, they're like, oh, no, you know, you're going to be our Messiah. You're going to be the king. But he's like, no, 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 this is what we're heading toward. If you want to follow me, you're going to have to suffer too. So it seems as though following along that, that Luke is grouping this story into chapter 9 about commitment. So with that in mind, as we get into this verse, they were going along the road and someone comes up to them. Matthew 8 actually tells us this person is a scribe. He is a a religious leader. Remember, there's scribes, Pharisees, Sadducees, Zealots, and there's a whole leadership, 70-member council of the Jewish leaders called the Sanhedrins. Well, the scribes are part of that leadership. Many of them were Pharisees. The scribes were, well, they were experts of the law. They studied the scriptures. They, they copied the scriptures. They were the scribes. But they became like the lawyers of that time. And so think, just keep this in mind as we get into this passage. This scribe is a very highly educated person. And he's one of the teachers of Israel, one of the head teachers. So with that in mind, think about how huge this is. For this scribe, as we see in Matthew 8, to come up to Jesus and say, you know what, I will follow you wherever you go. In other words, I will be your student. I'm going to come under you. I want to be discipled by you. I want you to be my rabbi. And that's huge for a scribe to say. And most of the scribes, too, in addition to this, they were against Jesus, right? That Most of the Pharisees and all, they, they were not happy with Jesus. So here's the scribe saying, you know what, I, I want to follow you. And that word follow in original language really talks about a commitment, a commitment for life. Not just some temporary, well, well I'll follow you. But he's, he's like saying, you know, I, I, I want to follow you for life. I want to be your disciple. I want you to be my rabbi. And that's really the feeling and the idea of, of what's coming out of this scribe. And then to say, wherever you go, wherever you go, I want to be there. It, it really speaks of his loyalty uh, to Jesus, how this scribe is like making, no matter what, you know, you're stuck with me, that kind of loyalty. Uh, this is my commitment. So this was a huge statement for a scribe to say, to be willing to give himself to Jesus and even go against his fellow scribes. I think, you know, I, I really think that this scribe was genuinely motivated here. I, I, I really think the miracles he'd been seeing, we've been talking about in this book, the healings, the casting out of demons, right? Uh, the powerful teaching that d- was coming out of Jesus. In, in John chapter 7, when the officers went to, uh, uh, the temple police went to arrest Jesus, you know, um, they... They came back to the Pharisees and they're like, where's Jesus? And you know what they told the Pharisees? No one ever spoke like him. 
So you can imagine, here's a scribe, this guy, a teacher of, of the law. He understands, but here's someone talking like never before. So I, I could see there's something genuine in his heart. He could see something different in Jesus. I mean, I think he's thinking this guy's going places. This guy is going to make an impact. But here's the thing. Like the crowds in what we've been talking about, like even the disciples, this scribe looked at Jesus as the political Jesus, right? He looked at, oh, Jesus is going to come. So he's all excited about that. He saw this movement going on, and that's why he wanted to commit to Jesus. And we, we find more of that here in verse 58. Look at verse 58. And here's Jesus' response. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So Jesus responds, kind of in a strange way, but he says, hey, foxes have holes. In other words, foxes have a place that they can call their own. That They, they have a home, basically. Birds have nests. They, they have a place they can return to and get rest. And, and basically, they have a bed to sleep in. But Jesus, he says, I have nowhere, basically, the Son of Man, which is another term for the Messiah, has nowhere to lay his head. I, I don't have no bed. I don't, I don't have a home. Basically saying, I, I don't have nothing. And it's true. We know when Jesus came, he came in humble beginnings. He came in humility. He owned no property, right? He was born in a manger, right? Not, not, not even in a hospital or at home. We know that in our Christmas story. In John 7, we know when everyone went back home, you know where Jesus went? Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. He went to pray and probably hang out there, right? He didn't have his own property. In the Gospels, when they were in Galilee, we see that he stayed where? At Peter's house. We, we know that frequently in the Jerusalem area, when he was over there, he went to Bethany, just over Mount Olives, to Lazarus, Mary and Martha's house, to stay there with them and eat with them. So it's true. Jesus really didn't have his own place. So it's such a strange response, though, right? You would think Jesus is like, whoa, this scribe, he's like, wow, he wants to follow me? That is different from all the antagonism I'm getting from the Pharisees and the other scribes and everyone. And you would think Jesus would be like, yeah, come on, come on, follow me, come on, join, join us here, join the team, let's go. But he didn't. He responds in a stranger way. Why would Jesus respond to this scribe wanting to make such a great commitment? Well, you know why? Because Jesus knew what was behind the words. Jesus knew that his loyalty was really based on material wants. That's our heading in our outline. You see, as I mentioned, the scribe is caught up in this excitement, right? G Jesus is here. Oh, he's showing to himself to be someone powerful. He can be the guy that will stop the Roman oppression, right? And bring in the kingdom of God. He's the political Messiah. But Jesus is trying to tell everyone, look, I'm, I'm, I really came the first time to be the suffering Messiah, to die on a cross for sin, not to take over the world and usher in the kingdom. We know that's going to happen in his second coming. So the scribe saw Jesus as his political Messiah. And so Jesus, who is God, saw his heart, saw, I think he was really excited about committing to Jesus and following Jesus. 
But Jesus knew what was there deep inside. His concern really was for material wants. So when Jesus replied in this fashion, like, hey, I foxes get home, I don't have home. Yeah. Or, hey, the birds get bed, the place to go back and rest, I, I know more bed. You know that? That's what he was saying. Jesus says, what kind of life do you think you will have when you follow me? That, that, that's what he's saying. I have nothing. You still really want to follow me? Think about the scribes now. We've talked about this. They were, they were pretty set in life. They're in a high position, status, yeah. They, they had their, their goods, their things. And perhaps then the scribe was kind of like, hey, this, this could be the guy. This is the guy, matter of fact. I, I could see him going places. You know, if I join him now, this is ground floor opportunity. I could rise up with him. I could rise up in the ranks. I could have that position. I can have that status when God sets up his kingdom. This, this will set my future. That's what I think he's thinking. He could probably imagine, hmm, I'll get that, oh, that, that uh, million shekel house on the Sea of Galilee, ocean view, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'll have the fine clothes and even a three camel garage or something like that, right? I mean, I, I'm sure he's thinking about all this. And so he comes to Jesus now, and, and truly excited, like truly, yeah, hey, I, I want you to be my rabbi. I want to I follow you. I want to be your disciple. Because in his mind, he wants to be part of this, this, this leadership, part of this, this kingdom that Jesus is going to set up. And he wants to be part of that now, so when things get set up, he's in there. He, ha- he has an in right there. But Jesus knew his heart. So Jesus comes back, responds to test and reveal his heart. Jesus is like, look, I have nothing, no home, no bed. Are you willing to follow me anyway? Are you willing to do that? If, if I'm not going to fulfill your material wants, are you really willing to follow me? I mean, do you really mean wherever, right? He said, wherever I'm going to go. Do you really mean that? What Jesus could see is this, and this is our point. The commitment was based on personal benefit. That's what this commitment was based on. And that kind of commitment is real, really a barrier to total commitment. It would seem like he was committed as long as what he had in his mind was going to continue on, right? But his commitment was just based on personal benefit. And once the personal benefit was gone... I believe no more commitment. So Jesus was challenging him right away, right from the get-go. You sure? I have nothing. I have nothing to offer you. You sure? I get nothing. What? You sure you want to follow me? So Jesus was exposing that commitment based on personal benefit. You know, I think we've been conditioned in living for convenience. I mean, think about it. Our culture is a convenience culture, right? We want things right away, fast food, microwave, right? It's hard for us to wait. You wait a little long. There's a long line. Oh, you get frustrated. You leave. Yeah? You want to go buy something? You'll get it now. You want it now, right? Uh, it was funny. Um, uh, we were uh, purchasing um, some gifts for my mom for Mother's Day on Amazon. <laughs> and we picked an item and I went to, uh, I was looking at, and you know how they pre-tell you when it would deliver. I'm thinking, oh, what? Tuesday? No way, that's late. It got to come by, 
by Mother's Day, right? And then we picked another item, and then when I put it in a cart and put her address in because it was going to be sent straight to her, um, all of a sudden the date changes to like Sunday. I thought, hey, wait a minute. Actually, it changed to tomorrow, <laughs> and this was last night. And I was like, wait. So the original gift, I went back, put that back in a cart, and, and did everything, and, and she's getting it tomorrow. Why? Because they're on the mainland, and tomorrow, you know, Amazon can get right away. Only in Hawaii, we got to wait a long time, right? I don't like that. I'm like, why can't that be, right? We're so, such a, a society, you know, used to convenience, and we're, we want this personal benefit all the time, our own convenience, is that what our commitments are based upon? Yeah. Well, I'll go to this store because, well, they service me right away. Yeah, I'll go to this restaurant because they service me right away. You know, sometimes that leaks into our Christianity. That leaks into our relationship with God where it's like, well, God, I'll be committed to you as long as it works for me. It's so sad. It, it gets almost comical how blind we are to how we cater to our own personal benefit all the time. Listen to these actual responses from comment cards at Bridger, Bridger Wilderness Area Park in Wyoming. These are actual little comment cards that have been turned in. And they're, they're criticisms and, and uh, suggestions that went into this box. One was this, trails need to be wider so people can walk holding hands. In other words, trails need to be reconstructed. Please avoid building trails that go uphill. How about this one? Too many bugs, spiders, and spider webs. Please spray the wilderness to rid areas of these, these pests. Another one said, too many rocks in the mountains. Coyotes made too much noise last night and kept me awake. Please eradicate. I like this one. Escalators would help on steep uphill sections. And last one, a McDonald's would be nice at the trailhead. <laughs> Crazy. But we're such a convenience culture, and so many times that leaks into our own commitment to the Lord. God, if it looks good to me, then I'll sign on the line, right? Then I'll serve you, Lord. Well, let me think about it. What's, what's in it? Will it work out for me? What's in it for me? But if you operate in that way, you know what's going to happen? When things get tough or it's not fun anymore, then you're out. Then you quit. Ah, I'm out of here. Jesus is saying, look, if you want to follow me, just understand it's not about your personal benefit. Commitment is really not based on what you can get. I mean, the real issue is this, right? Remember what Jesus said in 923 and it flows with what he's saying here. I mean, if you want to look look up or look, turn a page to verse 23, we covered this a few weeks back. Verse 23, Luke 9, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him, what? Deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. That's commitment there. So this is one of the barriers to total commitment, material wants. Let's go to number two in our outline, financial wants, financial wants. So we go back now to verse 59 and 60 for this section, but 
Once again, let's take a look at the first verse, verse 59. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. We'll stop there for a moment. Now, this time, someone didn't come up to Jesus, but Jesus actually looked at someone and said, hey, follow me. Just like he did many of the disciples. You know, he called out to Peter, follow me, and Andrew, and James, and John, follow me. And they dropped everything. They dropped their nets and went. So here's someone. He goes, hey, follow me. Follow me. Make a full commitment and be my disciples. And the response now we see in verse 59 was, is like, oh, 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 okay, but, you know, Lord, let me... First, go and bury my father. Now, at first read, we think, well, what, what's wrong with that? It's not a bad thing, right? Uh, in, in ancient times, even today, you know, if, if a, you lo- lose a loved one, someone dies, right, in your family, you know, you, it's a priority go, to go take care of things and the, the burial and, 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 and plus you're grieving and, you know, you need that time. There, there's nothing wrong with that. But understand what's going on here is not the case. Because here's Jesus, what, along the road. Jesus is, 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 is going here, and these people are coming up, and all the crowds following him and everything. But this is not the case, because if the father died, this person would not be traveling on the road at all. No. Back then now, understand this. When someone used that phrase, well, bury my father. Let me go bury my father. You know what it means? It was the same back then. It was more a phrase that meant, oh, let me receive my inheritance from my father once he passes away. And then, you know, I'll come and follow you. Usually the firstborn son would take over the family business and inherit everything and continue things on, right? So that was a, a saying. Oh, yeah, when I bury my father, I'll, I'm going to take over and, and take on the family business and continue that on. So that's what it was. It was basically this, this saying. And so this one person was, was basically coming and responding to Jesus. You know, I will commit to you, Jesus, after my father passes away and when I receive my inheritance that's what he's saying he's saying yeah i'm gonna follow you but not right now that's what he's saying he's saying well what what, wait till i get established jesus i will follow you once i reach some well financial security his full loyalty that he was willing to make i believe was delayed by his financial wants and that's a barrier to total commitment. It's, it's like he's saying, Jesus, you know, before I totally go follow you, you know, let me, let me kind of build up my savings account a little bit. I, I want to pad it pretty good right now. It's like he's, he's saying, you know, I really want to get my investment portfolio together. And when if that feels solid, yeah, Jesus, then, then I'll come and, and commit my life to you. Let me be set financially. And then, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll become a Christian then. Now, Understand that doesn't mean that God doesn't want us to be good stewards. We, we are called to do that. We are called to be financially responsible with the monies he's given us. I mean, we, Renette and Jason, they teach a class on that, right, in our church. And, and, and it's important. I'm all behind that. I'm all behind on, 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 on saving and, and tithing and investing and all of that and preparations. I'm all behind that. Jesus is not saying that we shouldn't do that. 
But what he's saying is we should not let that get in the way or take priority of our commitment to him. We should be, as he said, right, in Matthew chapter 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. And he was talking about provision. He was talking about food and clothing and being able to live. See, how much money we have should have should not have any bearing on how much commitment we can give. It shouldn't be about the, 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 the money at all, our financial wants at all. When Jesus asks you to follow me, aren't you going to give him your all anyway? You, you, you're committing everything. And when you do that, and no matter what your finances are, you're trusting him for those finances. So in a sense, Jesus is like, hey, come on, follow me. He's like, uh, I'm not sure. Jesus said, don't worry. Trust in me about that. So that's why we see now in verse 59, or 60, excuse me, Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying, um, let the dead bury their own dead. In other words, let the spiritually dead take care of what's important to them. That's what he's really saying. In other words, let the world take care of the things of the world. Let them be concerned of those things. But you go and take care of what should be most valuable to you, And what is that, what he says here? Proclaim the kingdom of God. So Jesus is like, don't don't put me off, right? Don't put off following God for earthly gain. The, the, The real thing is security is found in the eternal things. And that's what is important. Do what's important. Seek first the kingdom. Do what's important. Commit your life to me. Don't worry about the financial wants right now. Turn over to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6. A couple of Gospels over. and In that same chapter we talk, where Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom of God. Above that, on verse 19 through 21, I just want to read that. Verse 19 through 21. Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So here's Jesus, right, even talking about this. What's most important is laying our treasures up in heaven. And the eternal things is what's important proclaim the kingdom of god share the things about god live for god that's in that sense is what he's saying so what jesus is saying as we go back to luke chapter 9 commitment to jesus means to fully invest in the eternal things not the earthly things commitment to jesus means to fully invest in the eternal things not the earthly things that's what's important Not your financial wants, but the eternal things that Jesus wants us to be taking care of. That's our concern. So real commitment is to invest everything you have into those eternal things. I read about a Christian mother who listened to her son talk about his friend who was like a workaholic. 
and um, always taking that money, spending it, spending his riches on like a, a, a nice place to live, expensive cars, lavish lifestyle and all. And the son that made this comment to the mother, Bill is certainly getting on in the world, to which the mother replied, yes, and which world? I like that. Are we getting on in the right world, in the eternal things? You know, someone once asked me, is it so wrong to show what hard work is brought and show it by buying like expensive things and almost like showing stuff off? And, and you know, it made me think, I was just thinking about this today, it's not wrong now to have expensive things. It's not wrong to, for God to bless you maybe with wealth and a good salary and to be able to buy things that especially you can afford in a way. There, certainly God can bless you. There's nothing wrong with that. But is that what you are really about? That's what it comes down to. Is that what you're about? Is that what you're about? That, that wealth, right? The, the, the financial even security, the, 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 the riches. And is that what you're really about? Is that why we want to show things off? And Yeah, I worked hard and look what my money did, right? Is that really what our life as a believer is about? Again, there's nothing wrong with having that. But if we want to boast about it, are we really showing that, well, that's what I'm about? More importantly, is this what God will want you to do with your monies? That's what it comes down to. We, are to. we are stewards of His money that He's given us. It's not our own. We are to follow His one, what He wants us to do with the funds that have been given us. If He wants to bless you with it and you want to go buy something, yeah, praise the Lord. But ultimately, we are stewards of His money and we want to do His will. You know, sometimes we are more committed to finances, gaining financial security, maybe even showing off that wealth. We shouldn't be that way. We should rather be committed to fully to Jesus where everything, even our monies, is committed to Him and showing more so what we gain in Jesus, right? Not what's in our bank account. We should be sharing not so much that, how, how, how much wealth we have, but we should be sharing the eternal wealth of God, and that's Jesus Christ. That's the love of Christ. That's the salvation of Christ. How Christ died on the cross and freed us from our sins. That, that's what is most important. So don't let making or having money, all of that, don't let the financial wants be barriers to your total commitment. Let's go to number three now. Our last heading is wavering wants. Wavering wants. Another barrier to, com- to total commitment. And here we're going to finish up the chapter, our last two verses, verse 61 and 62. And let's go ahead and, and uh, read both of them. It says, Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So here's someone else 
like the last one, comes up to Jesus. You know, I, I, I want to follow you. I, I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to commit to you. But he stipulated. He, he, he put in, but, but let me first. Yeah? He put some stipulation here. He said, let me first say goodbye to my friends and family. Now, again, that doesn't sound bad, you know. They're, they're, you know it, it seems reasonable, doesn't it? And, and it is. It, it, it's not bad. I, I mean, it isn't. You know, when uh, Elijah called Elisha to take over and be the prophet, you know, in Israel, and, and Elisha said, well, l- let me go home to my family, say goodbye. And you say, yeah, go ahead. But, hey, be sure and come back. Yeah. So, it isn't bad, but Jesus says something different. And he responds in a way because he sees the reason for this delay. He sees more of a delay rather than a good thing to do. Jesus res- responds really with, with, with something that uh, 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 is, was sort of like a saying, but, but, but Jesus responds and says, no one who starts a plow, basically, uh, looks back behind him. So it was the same, but everyone understood, yeah, you're not going to plow and be plowing looking back, right? Because the, ro- the roads are going to be all crooked. You, you're you're going to go off. You're going to not know. You, you know, you can't make correct and disciplined furrows, you know, rows by looking backwards. It messes up the whole field. So then he says, if someone who grabs a plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God, in other words, in other words, that is not really the type of follower and commitment that Jesus is looking for. That, that's what he's saying here. So what Jesus saw was this person was making excuses, really. Uh, yeah, yeah, Jesus, I, I, I'm going to follow you, but wait, wait, let, let me go, go back home. He was making excuse to... For you know, rather than making this total commitment to Jesus, and the reason is this guy had wavering wants, he was wavering in his heart. Jesus knew that though it sounded good and like a good reason, right? It was said because he was not fully committed to Jesus. He was saying, Yeah, I'll follow, but in his heart, it wasn't all the way there. What Maybe what Jesus knew, and I was thinking about this, maybe he knew that, well, maybe he would have second thoughts once he gets home. That's how strong his commitment was to Jesus. He, it wasn't like Elisha was with Elijah. He, he, would, he would like go home and maybe, oh, you know, this is nice to be at home. You know, I'll be with everybody. Maybe his family and friends would, would be saying, what? what? You're going to just get up and go? What, what, what are you doing? Why, why are you doing that? There's nothing wrong saying goodbye. Remember, I say Elisha and Elijah. You know, interesting thing about that story in 1 Kings 19, Elijah came to Elisha when Elisha was plowing a field. (laughs) Interesting, right? But Elijah told him, get back then to what you're committed to do. And so that's what Jesus is challenging him to you, you, you got this wavering heart. You're wavering once. You're not sure. You know, if you're going to grab the plow, don't look back. Don't look back. Don't, if, if you're going to make this commitment, don't look back and say, oh, did I do the right thing? No, if you're going to do it, do it. Do it. 
all the way. Turn to the right to Luke chapter 14. Later on, interesting, Jesus says in Luke chapter 14, verse 26, he talks about commitment in this way. He says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, I don't know if you read that before. I remember reading this first time. I go, wait, 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 what? I think they got the translation wrong here. (laughs) Something's not right. No, but the idea is this. Hate really is talking about love less, love them less. Like love for God should be so much more above anybody, your father, your mother, your wife, anyone else in your family, even anyone in your closest relationship. Your love for God in comparison for your love for your family members should be like hate. That's what he's talking about, in comparison. He's not saying to hate your father and mother. That's not not what he's saying. He's saying basically, you should be loving them less than uh, how much you love me. God is to be number one way above anyone else. So, our last point is this. Commitment to Jesus means to not have a divided heart towards God. If we're going to commit to God, we're going to commit. If we're going to be devoted to God, we're going to be devoted. If we're going to be loyal, we're going to be totally loyal to God. If we're going to consecrate ourselves, set us, set ourselves apart for God, it's total. It's not wavering. It's, it's grabbing a plow and looking for it and going. Not keep looking back. Ah, oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Jim Elliott once wrote this, Whenever, wherever you are, be all there, live to the hilt. Every situation you believe to be the will of God. And I like that. You know, be all in, he's saying. Be all in. If you're going to be in, then be all in, fully devoted, unwavering, living and loving Jesus more than any, living and, and loving Jesus more than anything else. Listen, total devotion commitment, let, let me put it this way, is not about checking off a list now. It's not about like, okay, I went to church. Going to church once a week now. You check a list. Oh, doing, I did my daily devotion. You check the list. Oh, I fasted this year. Checking the list. Oh, I gave God a tithe. It, it's not checking off on the list like, oh, I, I said the prayer, sinner's prayer again. Or, or I checked out, oh, I volunteered to hand out some food last year. Or, or it's not even, oh, Lord, I raised my hands in worship. No, it's about total consecration. It's about total giving yourself over to God in every way. You know, consecration means set apart. So it means setting yourself apart for Jesus. It means a full devotion. It means a full loyalty. You know what it means? We use this word and we sing it, right? Surrendering our heart to God. Every, every part of it, every part of your life, Everything, not just what's convenient, not just gives you personal benefit, not just when things are going good, but even when things are going bad, you're still there with Jesus. A full and total commitment means this, going all in and all out for the all in all, Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. Now, 
this passage as we close up doesn't tell us what happened to these guys. It doesn't say, oh, this one person, yeah, he, he changed. Or this person, sadly, he walked away. We don't know what happened. My hope is that they did respond with a full commitment, that they understood what Jesus was saying and targeting in their heart as the Son of God would know. My hope is that you will too respond. My hope is that you will be like this guy. I'll close with this. A missionary in India once told of a man who came into the church and he was really touched by the love of Jesus and just the Holy Spirit. And, and, and so he decided he really wanted to totally commit his life to Jesus. And, and so when the offering plate came by, he asked the usher to lower the plate. And the usher lowered the plate. Then he asked the usher to lower, lower the plate even more. And then he kept asking him to lower the plate. And the usher's like, huh? This is weird. Lower all the way down until the plate was on the floor. At that, the man stepped into the offering plate saying, I want to give every part of my life in full and total commitment to my Lord and Savior Jesus. I offer my life to Him. And that's what we need to do. That's what you and I need to do. Hold nothing back, be all in, and take down those barriers to commitment. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight, and God, as you speak to us, Lord, and as you continue to, Lord, your Holy Spirit shows us where we're lacking in our commitment. We may say, yeah, Lord, I'm following you, but still there are those areas and those barriers, those places where we have not even allowed you to come in yet, and God, we want to we wanna do that. God, we want to love you more than anything else in this world, Lord, more than the material or the financial. Lord, we don't want to waver at all. We want to be totally, God, yours. We want to love you first. We want you to be everything, God. And Jesus, it's not hard, Lord, to be willing to commit to you. It's just hard sometimes for us to let go. So give us that strength to let go. It's not hard, God, to really want to because we know your love for us. God, your love, how you died on a cross for us, how you continue to give us grace and mercy even when we fail you, Lord, how you speak to us and say, I love you. My mercies are new every morning. I forgive you and I remember your sins no more. God, your, your love, is showering upon us and, and we feel safe, God, in that love. And let us feel safe enough to give you our life. Sometimes it's hard, Lord, to commit to things, to someone, because we don't feel safe. We've been hurt. We've been betrayed, God. We've been beaten down. But Lord, remind us that your love is here and and with your love pouring forth upon us right now as I pray, God, you make it easy for us to love you back and commit everything to you. So here we are, Jesus, surrendering all. God, we want to be all in, not partly in, but all in, Lord. 
We love you. I love you with all of my heart, Jesus. And I pray in your name. Amen. Let's all stand.